Hi, everyone. I'm Jill Smokler, and I've got issues. I've got a ton of issues, actually, and I'm pretty sure you do, too. And I'm positively sure we'll both feel better having talked about them. And that's what this podcast is all about. So let's get started. Sober mom advocate Celeste Vaughn is a writer and certified recovery coach with over 20 years experience as a communications professional in corporate America. Her essays on parenting, the mental load of motherhood, mommy wine culture, and sobriety resonate with mothers everywhere. Over five years sober and a founding host of the Sober Mom Squad, Celeste advocates for mothers who struggle with addiction and mental health. So when I was at Scary Mommy, one of the most popular memes that we could always depend on was the stupid, like, it's wine time and they whine, W-H-I-N-E, you know, you whine, W-I-N-E, and just all of those sort of tropes. And I always, one, they never resonated with me personally exactly. And I always wondered if they were just something that mom said as a joke or if it was accurate and which if it even mattered, if it was detrimental either way. And so I'm really excited to be talking to you about your book, um, which is It's Not About the Wine, um, and just your your path to sobriety and what you make of, of this whole culture. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I love that we get to talk about this um, as somebody who completely fed off that narrative for years and even helped make some of those memes. Uh, now I'm on the other side of it. And I, I can absolutely tell you from the horse's mouth just how uh, how much justification I saw in those memes and validation, you know, not just in the, oh, good, I'm not the only one drinking to cope, but also the, this is really freaking hard. And I'm failing. I'm so glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> you know, it was both. Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's so much pressure on moms without the support to go along with it that it's no doubt that we, you know, sort of crack and, you know, just feel like either way we need some attention and we need some validation that it's not easy. Um, so let's go back to your um your story when did you when did you realize that your drinking had become more than just a little lighthearted meme yeah i was in early motherhood i had a 3 year old and a 1 year old and i remember a specific moment i was sitting on the couch with my 3 year old and we were having a lovely moment uh but I had to interrupt this moment because I had to refill my glass of wine. Mm-hmm. And I got up and my little son says, mom, where are you going? And I said, mommy needs more wine. And he says, why? You know, for a three-year-old, he couldn't possibly understand. I just had a drink. Why would I be thirsty for more? Mm-hmm. And I remember just my heart breaking because I started thinking, is this what he's going to remember about mommy? Mm -hmm. And is this just the beginning of all the times I interrupt life's precious moments to refill my cup? Yeah, that's a wake-up call. It was one of many little moments like that that just added up. You know, I never had the rock bottom moment that I think a lot of people experience when they know they have to stop drinking. 
but I had a lot of convincing moments over the years, and that was one of them. Uh, but what ultimately made me stop was a panic attack I had. Um, it was just a regular Monday at work, and nothing, nothing really was the cause per se, except I think I was just drinking too much in general. And uh, it was absolutely the wake-up call I needed because I grew up in a family of addiction. My dad was an alcoholic. And for me to think, is this the direction I'm willing to go? And is this the direction I'm ready to take my family on? Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was, for me, the final straw. And uh, that was five and a half years ago, and I haven't had a drink since. Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. Um, that struck me in your book when you're, you talked about your dad and it being complex enough to be the child of you know, an alcoholic and then to look back at pictures and potentially see, you know, jokes and lighthearted things about it would be um, hurtful in a way that none of us mommy bloggers back then ever thought about and thought that that was going to be the part that would come back to haunt us. At least that was, you know, the least of my concerns because it just seemed harmless, but it's not. I thought it, I thought it was harmless too. Uh, but I think subconsciously it really was, um, just, it was just this narrative that I could feed off of to further, uh, victimize myself Mm. that, um, I am I'm this martyr, and this is just what mothers have to do. So all we get at the end of the night is our nightly wine. Like that's really what it felt like. Instead of what I see now, is I needed to make some serious changes in my life, in my relationship, um, at work, at home, in all the ways to fill feel a more fulfilled life, to experience a more level playing field on the home front. Um, And these were all the things I was pushing aside when I was drinking heavily because I was too numbed out to know what to do. Hmm. So when you had that moment with your son or, you know, you decided the several moments that that combined to make you step back, how did what was that like? How was how did you attempt? Was it numerous attempts to stop? What did that look like? It was one attempt, uh, but going back, I would have done it very differently. I mm-hmm. I stopped cold turkey. I white-knuckled it early months, and I tried not to tell anybody. I mean, the only people who really knew what I was doing was my mom and my husband, but I was afraid to tell people the truth because what if I go back to drinking you know, what if I tell the whole world that I'm not drinking anymore and then I change my mind in a couple of months? I really didn't know what how to label myself or what my genuine relationship was with alcohol. Uh, I, my father was an alcoholic. He self-identified as an alcoholic. And my relationship with alcohol looks so different than that. How on earth would we both carry the same label? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... That really held me back in the early months because I was so afraid to take on this new life. And I thought there was no place for me. I didn't feel like I belonged in the recovery meetings, but I also knew I couldn't keep drinking. So Mm -hmm. I was kind of in this weird little middle ground. And uh, now, you know, since the pandemic, 
all of these recovery options have opened up where we have places for people who are gray area drinkers. We have places for sober moms Mm -hmm. and the opportunity is available for however you want to label your relationship with alcohol. But even just five years ago, that was not the case. And it felt like it was a a lot more black and white. Like I had to choose something that didn't feel right for me. Mm -hmm. So I chose not to make a choice at all. Right. It's so interesting. There are so many decisions that we make um, when you were talking. It reminded me of you, me, anyone not wanting to complain about a spouse, a partner, because then, you know, if things get better, then you sort of look like an idiot. You all of this knowledge is out there and the person can't unknow it. Um, And similarly, yeah, if you if you say you have a problem, then you're held accountable and you have people who who follow up. And that's uh, a lot more than just doing it on your own. That's like a whole nother layer of pressure, I imagine. Totally. It felt like a life sentence. Like if I am going to commit to this and tell people I had to quit drinking, the assumption then is I'm an alcoholic and I can never drink again. So if I drink again, I have failed everybody and I look like a fool. But In my early recovery days, I didn't even know this was recovery. This was just me saying, I'm taking alcohol away from from my day-to-day. And it would take me months to kind of get in a groove and to even start to see the benefits uh, that what sober life can look like and feel like. For such a long time, I considered somebody who doesn't drink as living a life of deprivation. And that's Mm -hmm. genuinely what I saw when my dad made attempts to quit. It felt like deprivation at its worst. But what I started to see over time and what I see more and more every day is that for me, sobriety is liberation. It allows me to do all the things that I was held back on when all I could think about was where I'm going to get my next drink. Hmm. Do you miss any aspects of it? I miss probably, yes, there are some assets. I miss the feeling that uh, I was unstoppable. You know, those 30 minutes of your first drink where you're like, I don't have a care in the world. I I am as beautiful as I want to be. I, I can do anything. And then, you know, the, 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 the feeling ebbs. And you need another one to pick yourself right back up. But there is that short little burst of, um, I feel as confident as I've always wanted to feel. And I wish I always felt like this. Mm -hmm. I think that's why I drank in, in the first place, you know, as a teenager. I think when you are a teen and you get your hands on your first drink, it fills you in a way with that confidence and security that you see other people in the crowds living and you just didn't think you could be get there, but then Mm -hmm. you have your drink and you're like, I can be that person too. Mm -hmm. It feels like you, uh, you kind of came across a superpower. Mm. That's really hard to not want to use when you have a superpower. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, how much, how much time do you spend like actively, thinking about not actively wanting to drink, if that makes any sense. Like, is it still consume a big part of your head or is it, are you sort of past that? Do you get past that point even? 
Yeah, you absolutely do. In fact, I don't think about it at all except when um, I'm writing about it Mm. or um, I'm in recovery meetings. I host recovery meetings twice a week. Um, So I'm connecting with women who are back in the early days of that where it's weighing heavily on their mind. Uh, And it brings me back 100%. And it's so validating to hear the stories from early recovery to remind myself how far I've come. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's such an important part of somebody's sobriety. But um, if I wasn't in those meetings and if I wasn't writing about it, it doesn't even cross my mind anymore um, in the best way because uh, it's just no longer part of my lifestyle. Um, When I was in my drinking days, the head, when it got bad. And even in my early recovery, it consumed me. You know, we talk a lot about the mental load of motherhood. There is a mental load of alcohol where even when you're not drinking, you are thinking about when you get to drink again and you are planning around it. Like if I'm going to go all out on Friday, I need to make sure somebody's watching the kids on Saturday morning so I can sleep in. It is Mm -hmm. a very consuming process. And um, to get that time back is very liberating. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Let's talk about the community that you've developed and that you you said you host um, recovery meetings twice a week. And you've, you know, you started the Sober Mom Squad. Why, why is that? Why is connection so important, do you think? I had no idea how important connection was in recovery, but I've heard over and over that the opposite of addiction is connection. Uh, So I knew a lot of people swore by it, but it wasn't until the pandemic when um, everything shut down, moms got, you know, we got trashed along with everybody else. Uh, where we were under-supported, um, undervalued. Uh, the kids came home overnight, and now we're homeschooling, um, and we're teaching, and we're doing all the things while still trying to maintain what we were doing prior. Uh, as somebody, I was a couple years sober at that point, um, I could see firsthand the impact this is going to have on mothers who are in recovery or mothers who have a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. Like It was very clear to me that this was going to get worse before it ever got better. My friend Emily Paulson, when she started Sober Mom Squad, she kind of reached out to the sober community and said, who wants to be a part of this? And I... I was like, count me in. Uh, I definitely want to be part of supporting mothers right now more than ever. And we hosted our first meeting um, one Wednesday, you know, in the middle of March. And here we are three and a half years later, and I'm still hosting those Wednesday meetings. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we have mothers who joined us from that group uh, because they saw their alcohol use getting worse during the pandemic. Um, We saw mothers who were in recovery already, but needed a group because their recovery group shut down during the pandemic. And we see mothers who are two or three years post-pandemic feeling trapped by their drinking that really spiraled uh, during those years. So it's a little bit of everything. Um, But to be with other mothers who get it you know, who understand the struggle, mm-hmm. uh, who also probably know exactly why you're using alcohol to cope. And then the challenges that present themselves in sobriety, it's a very, um, 
enriching, validating feeling to have that and to have those ears to listen to what you have to say and to say, I've been there or I see you or I support you. And what are some of the tools when... I remember when I had little, little kids, when I started Scary Mommy, I had a newborn, a two-year-old and a four-year-old, and it was sheer chaos in my house. And every person who would come in be like, I don't understand how you're not an alcoholic in, you know, a funny, joking, again, lighthearted way. Um, And there was something, I feel like during that time, it was Scary Mommy that I turned to when I wanted to bang my head against the wall. And it helped give me perspective on what the kids were doing. And that was really my, I think what I, I'm very grateful that I had that to throw myself into instead of, you know, a substance that, you know, got out of control. Um, So what are, when you, when you or when someone feels, you know, just at the end of their rope and wants a drink, like what, what do you do? What should, what should someone do? Like what's, what's that first, you know, moment like? Yeah. What I always do and what I always tell people to do, uh, this is a very common recovery tool is to play the tape forward. Um, if you're craving a drink, what, what is that going to look like? So for me, that's going to be me pouring the drink, really enjoying that first drink, but then my drink's empty. I, I'm not done. You know, I will grab another drink. I will have another one. My brain will start to get fuzzy. I will start to become a little bit dysregulated. Um, I will get a little more upset or frustrated with the kids because it is, it's pure chaos. Mm -hmm. And a lot of moms think that they're better moms after a glass or two of wine. Well, I was not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was absolutely not. Um, And it was a lot easier for me to become the screaming mom, the angry mom. Um, and after two or three drinks, you know, I, I would crash in the bed, go to sleep, wake up the next day feeling like crap Mm -hmm. and, um, regretting even opening that first, you know, glass, having that first glass or that first can. And, um, that, that is me playing the tape through. Like, what is this going to look like? Don't just think about that first sip. I think that's mm-hmm. where we, we generally go. Like, I'm craving that feeling of that first sip. Mm-hmm. You got to lean into what that's going to look like the next 24 hours because it ain't good. If you are a high-risk drinker like I was, it does not end well. That's a really good... Um tool, not just for drinking, but for like any vice to, to think about it, because that immediate satisfaction doesn't last very long. I like that tool. So what is it about this time that has moms drinking more than ever? Because it seems like it's, um, from what I read, it's at a point that it has not been before. Why is that? Yeah, the stats are alarming. And they're showing that post-pandemic Uh, Women are drinking more than ever and more women are drinking than ever. Mm -hmm. So we're getting hit from both sides. And it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that this were three and a half years since the start of the pandemic, but I think it's also, it's been a slow boil um, since women have started returning back to the workforce. Mm -hmm. And um, we are in this really weird gray area where women are, working post baby, but there's still so many traditional 
gender roles back on the home front. Uh, So in traditional marriages, there's this expectation that, yes, mommy's liberated and she works and she's got this kick-ass job and she is climbing that corporate ladder, but she is coming home and making that dinner and making sure the whole family sits down to eat and she's doing the laundry and she's making sure little Billy gets to soccer practice uh, without dropping a single plate. And we are being hit from every side. Um, And when you are in a collective space where you are not being supportive, no one is taking any plates off of your shoulders, you're going to look for advice. I mean, you're going to look for a crutch. And Mm -hmm. I think for many women, myself included, alcohol was an easy way to turn inwards, to shut it down to relax and calm myself and feel like I was giving myself a little treat while Mm -hmm. also still doing all the things. Like now, you know, I can drink wine while still fold laundry. Look at me. I I can practice self-care and still multitask. I am such Mm -hmm. a badass. It's it's a perfect drug in that way. And and then when you have the external validation that um, mommy just needs some wine, then Mm -hmm. it almost feels like, if you're not doing it, you're, you're missing something. And it'd be a heck of a lot easier if you just added wine to that mix. So I, I think it right. is kind of this perfect storm that we've created where mother is, mom's over overwhelmed, they're exhausted, there's nowhere for them to go. And alcohol lets them defuse while also them, keeping them quiet and small. <laughs> mm. Let's face it, you know, mommy doesn't, complain or get vocal and, um, you know, she doesn't raise hell when she's being numbed out every night. I'm wondering, did not drinking impact your friendships? Because I feel like you're sort of outside of the joke if you're not part of the, you know, ha-ha culture. Um, Did that impact friendships? Did it impact relationships other than in parenting? Yes, but not in the way I would have expected. You know, I always say sobriety was the best friendship filter I could ever find because mm. you find out real quick who, which of your friends were genuine and which were revolved around alcohol. And, mm. and that's a good thing. You know, I don't think I lost any friendships in my sobriety that I would have wanted to get back in the first place. Yeah. Uh, but in motherhood, when we're all kind of desperate for connection, that is a scary thought. This thought that I might lose friends if I make this choice. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, that was a big deal. Um, I, I had this experience where I was at a, um, a mommy play date with two other women. And the mother, I just met her, and she starts pouring mimosas. And I was newly sober. And I remember thinking, should I tell her? <laughs> Should I tell her? Should I, should I not tell her? Like, if I don't tell her, will she still invite me to these things in the future? Like there was so much going on in my head. Like, what will she think of me if I am not one of the ones, you know, letting my, my guard down and drinking and partaking and, um, peer pressure does not end. It it was hard. And I, I feel like a lot of mothers get get trapped in this, what will they think of me if? Um, Mm -hmm. And in sobriety, especially with mommy wine culture being so prevalent over the last decade, um, I think that is a valid concern. But the good news is, and what I've learned, is the mothers 
Most mothers really do not care. They don't care if you say no to the mimosa. They do not care if you don't partake. There are a group, generally, you know, a party moms. And those aren't the people I would necessarily want to be hanging out anyway. So party moms get annoying very fast. (laughs) Right. I mean, and they only have one thing in common. So, you know, I'll let them, you know, spike their tumblers and I'll be over here, you know, drinking my sparkling water and it's all good. <laughs> that is a good thing. How is, has being sober, has it changed your outlook, your thoughts on the future, like what you want to do with, with your life sort of thing? I think it's changed every aspect of my life. And I say that, for example, my, my reason for quitting alcohol when I first got sober was, I would say, 99% for my children. You know, I quit drinking for my children. Now I would argue I quit drinking and I stay sober for me. Mm-hmm. And I say that because my priorities have changed. My values have changed. I want to be a good mom, but maybe even more so I want to be healthy. I want to mm-hmm. feel good. I want to take care of myself. I want to live a long life. These are all things that I don't think I would have said five and a half years ago uh, Mm -hmm. because I think I had lost so much of myself um, in a little bit motherhood, but a lot just from alcohol and drinking over the years and from growing up never thinking that I was enough or that I was worthy. And to be in my mid-40s now finding out who I am, what I enjoy. I mean, that's a big deal. And it's Mm. probably my favorite part about sobriety. So who are you? What do you enjoy? Well, I I, I love a lot of things, but it turns out I only started running um, in my 30s. I used to to make fun of runners, but here I am. (laughs) I I like to run. I'm a slow runner. I'm never going to win any races, but I just like to run because I like how it makes me feel. Mm -hmm. Um, I I like to um, spend time with friends. I like to hike. Uh, I like to camp. That's another Mm -hmm. one that I never would have imagined myself saying. I love being outside. I love spending time with my kids, but that's just one piece of it. You know, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's so much more to my life than being a mom. And I value that my kids know that mommy also has a life too, that there's more to me than just being their mom. Uh, I think it, it's, I'm, I'm hope, hoping it sends them the right signal that uh, you don't have to lose yourself in parenthood, that this is just part of the experience. Yep. Absolutely. Not losing yourself in parenthood. That's the core, I imagine, of a lot of struggles that, that moms have. It's a lot. If a friend during the time when you recognize that you were drinking too much were to have approached you about it. How would you have responded? Because I feel like a lot of people have a friend who they wonder, you know, should I approach? Should I say something? This person has definitely crossed a line, but you don't want to jeopardize the friendship. And it's a very tricky territory, I feel like. That's really tricky because I think I would have answered it 
a couple different ways depending on where I was on my journey. Mm. I think if it was right before I quit, I would have been very defensive. But if it was when I was in my, this is my secret, um, I'm sober, but nobody can know part, I think I would have welcomed it because I was so desperate for connection. Mm. I just wanted someone to talk to. Um, So I think it's something worth approaching um, with a little nudge and kind of reading the room to see what kind of response you get. You know, the, the benefit of that is you, even if it's not well received, you are sending them one of their convincing moments. Mm. And that often is part of what it's going to take for somebody to make a change. Um, So I think it's an important part of a true friendship is to have that honesty and to have those deep conversations. Uh, But it might not necessarily be well-received, but I don't think that means you did something wrong. Mm. I think maybe sometimes people just need to sit on it and think about it. And when they're ready, they'll be able to talk about it more with you, or maybe they'll be ready internally to go there in their Mm. own life. Mm Mm-hmm. How do people, if they don't have connection in their real life and they're, you know, they, they need it and they're looking online, where do they, how do they even start? Where do they, where do you point people if, if they need support? Right now you can Google sober support groups mm-hmm. near me and you will get lists of recovery groups that are located near you or online recovery groups. And um, I I think that's a great place to start. I would say uh, if you are sober curious or you are questioning your relationship with alcohol, uh, looking into and trying a support group is a really good first step. And it's Mm -hmm. scary, but now you can do it virtually and you can do it with without even turning your camera on. I mean, there's, there's ways to do it now that feel much more uh, approachable. So I I would recommend starting there. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's something that I genuinely wish I had started sooner than I did. But now, I mean, the, the groups that are available to us are are vast. Uh, It's a really good time to be sober. It's a really good time to quit drinking uh, compared to where it was five years ago. Mm -hmm. It seems like that there's a whole movement of non-alcoholic beverages and it seems it's much seems to be much more accepted than it was, which is so weird to think there was a time when it, when it wasn't (laughs) accepted not to drink. Um, It's kind of strange. Um, In terms of, um, connection that we are so desperate for, how, because alcohol is such an integral part of celebrations and, you know, just sort of the getting together and just such so prevalent in our lives, like what are ways without, I I feel like people are so over the top when they find out someone is sober. It's like, well, what do we do? Do we, do we say something? Are they going to be comfortable? You know, do we invite them? Are they allowed to come? Like it's, it, it seems like a lot of overthinking. Um, What would you, what would you say to that? I would say 
And it's such a fair question. And it's such a great question. I wish more people asked it. Being inclusive is like just the coolest thing you can do. I don't think anybody in the sober community expects inclusivity, but when we receive it, it's so welcome. We are Mm -hmm. so grateful. And so what I mean by that is if you are having a social gathering and you know somebody's going to be there who doesn't drink, having some mocktail or non-alcoholic options available, Mm -hmm. you don't even have to you don't even have to tell them. You just have it available. Uh, when somebody comes over to visit um, and you ask them if they'd like a glass of wine, you also ask them, would you like wine or soda or tea? Mm-hmm. Just ha- making it so it doesn't feel like it's alcohol or tap water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and when it comes to just having these conversations, somebody just asked me, well, Are people comfortable if I choose to drink? Absolutely. Like, there's nobody is expecting friends or family not to drink around them just because they chose to be sober. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a common misconception. And if they are uncomfortable being around people who are drinking, then they they should not go to these gatherings in the early days of sobriety with the understanding that it will get easier over time. How do you feel about going to gatherings now where where alcohol is abundant? Yeah, it doesn't phase me anymore. Um, but I always bring my own drinks. I We had a neighborhood barbecue this weekend and I just brought two non-alcoholic beers in my purse. And mm-hmm. I have no shame with just holding it and popping open my own beer. And I think other people appreciate it too, because I'm not assuming or expecting um, there to be non-alcoholic options, but I also, I don't want to have to get tap water every time I'm at a social gathering. Uh, So I just, I I control my own environment and that works for me really well. Um, If you're in early sobriety, I think that's a really good option too, uh, just so you always know that you've got a choice. Um, When you leave it up to a restaurant you're going to or a party and you just wing it, Mm -hmm. you are more likely to maybe fall for temptation or get caught off guard. So I would say bring your own drink whenever possible. That's a very good tip. And I love the tip about not just offering someone a glass of wine when they come into your house, because that's my default as well. To wrap up, I'm wondering, do you, and this is probably a, I don't know what kind of answer you'll have, but do you worry about relapsing? Sometimes. Yeah. You know, sometimes I become a a bit complacent, um, where it feels like I'm so in, uh, in the zone or, you know, I get to a point where I'm not thinking about alcohol at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get a, almost a little bit worried that I'm not worried. Mm. Uh, you know, I think about, you know, celebrities or even just regular people who have relapsed over 10, 15, 20 years. And every time you uh, hear the story, there's often a component of complacency or or just not taking your recovery seriously. So I Mm -hmm. think for me, my focus is to always make it some way, somehow part of my life. And right now I do that through Sober Mom Squad, through hosting meetings and through recovery coaching. But it could be as simple as journaling. It could be 
therapy. It can be attending sober meetings. I mean, there's different things you can do to um, make sure that you are working that muscle mm-hmm. ongoing. Mm-hmm. That's such a good tip. The book comes out in September, September 12th. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Well, congratulations. I think it's excellent and super, super important to talk about and get out there. So thank you for, for coming and having this chat. Thank you, Jill. It was so good to talk to you. It was great to talk to you too. She's Got Issues is produced by Kira Shine, Play Audio Agency, and me, Jill Smokler. We would be so appreciative if you could rate and review the podcast. And don't forget to check out the magazine, she'sgotissues.com. See you next time.